Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Very good afternoon to you. It's Thursday. It is already Thursday, believe it or not. It's fresh thinking time. Welcome aboard. Nice to have you with us. And I hope you'll participate in the conversation as is always the case. It gets, uh, well, hopefully gets quite animated. People get to share their views. You can share yours too. So just to set out the numbers that you could use, if you would like to SMS, then you'll SMS 34519. You can WhatsApp 0618951019. You can email. I know some people like to email. It doesn't happen often, but you can email on air at chaifm.com. You can call in at any time, 0101403020. And by far the most popular way of interacting with this show is via Twitter. So you can tweet at chaifm. You can tweet me personally at Rabbi Shish been engaged in a, in a conversation that started off as a question, led into a conversation that then led into a more developed conversation that then led into an online conversation, and it's landed up being a lot more intriguing than I thought it would be, so I figured if it is that intriguing, I may as well, I may as well share it with you and see what it is that you think about this particular conversation. So it's a question and a conversation around the concept of charisma. Now, obviously, everybody likes somebody who has charisma, and I suppose part of our conversation will be about the definition of that term, because that's certainly part of what's come up previously in this conversation. So that's why I'm I'm handing it over to you. And the conversation goes around the question of, as a Jewish leader, think of our spiritual leaders, think of our leaders throughout our history, think of the great names of the Bible, think of the great names of the Talmud. So would you say that in order for a person to be a successful Jewish leader, in order for a person to be a spiritual influencer, that they would need to have charisma. Now, I do know that some people are going to say, well, it depends how you define charisma and what exactly is charisma. And we can have that conversation too with absolute pleasure. So you can lead this. It's interactive. It's uh, community radio. Everybody has a say. Everybody can lead the conversation in a particular way. But it, it really got me thinking. Is it something, if you had to identify our great Jewish leaders in our history, perhaps it's not, it's probably not fair to imagine that everybody is the same. But do you think that in order to be a successful spiritual leader within the Jewish world, do you think that you'd have to have charisma? Is that a characteristic that's necessary? And if it is necessary, just how central would it be to the persona of the individual. So think Moses, think Abraham, think the prophetess Devorah, think King David, think Rabbi Akiva, Maimonides, whoever it is that, that comes to mind. Bearing in mind, of course, that there's certain people we know more about the character than others. We don't know, for example, as much about the character of the Rambam as we might know about the character of Moses, just because of the way it's spelled out. So, And the, re- the reason that this came up in conversation originally, by the way, was because people wanted to know we look forward to the ultimate leader in the form of Mashiach. So the question really was, does Mashiach have to be charismatic? So I'm handing that over to you. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Get those uh, SMSs coming in three four five one nine or WhatsApps oh six one eight nine five one zero one nine. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from two to three p.m. One hundred one point nine High FM, one hundred one point nine megahertz of power. Okay, so talking today about charisma, how important is charisma in Jewish leadership? And of course, it's you have to acknowledge that some people are naturally more charismatic than others. So if we 
you can't paint everybody with the same brush. You can't look at all of our great people throughout our history and say they were all the same. I don't expect that. I don't think anybody expects that. And we don't, uh, we certainly don't imagine that that's how it's going to be. But the question really that, uh, that arises is, um, how important, how important is charisma within Judaism, how important is charisma within Jewish leadership? Is that one of the characteristics that we, I mean, we talk about great people and we talk about their scholarly abilities. We talk about their piety. We talk about, I suppose, their leadership skills. We, in certain cases, talk about their courage. But do we talk about their charisma? So, for example, if you had to picture Moses, let's start with that. If you had to picture Moses, who, of course, was the greatest Jewish leader to date, the greatest world leader to date, person who shaped the, the, the direction of the entire globe. So what made him Moses? Would you imagine, I'm sure everybody has a picture in their mind of what Moses looked like, and I don't necessarily mean his facial features, but, you know, just kind of the persona that Moses is. Would you define, would the name, would the term charisma, would the adjective charismatic jump to your mind when you think of Moses? And if not, by the way, what would be the adjectives that you would use to describe that particular individual? There's one example. Let's use a different example. How about his successor, Joshua, who led the Jewish people into the into the promised land? And he must have been an incredible person because he stood up to all the nations that occupied Canaan at the time. He followed God's word. He had needed tremendous bravery in order to do so, to vanquish seven nations, very powerful nations, with seven with thirty one little kingdoms that they had. Would you see Joshua as a charismatic individual. What about the prophets? Isaiah, Samuel, Elijah. Would you see them as charismatic people? Uh, King David, for that matter. King Saul. I don't know. We could keep the list going. And I think once you start to break it down into individuals, it does become quite interesting because you don't, again, as I said before, you don't expect that different people are going to be all the same. So the question really is, is it is it a value? Is it something which is important? Does one need to have charisma in order to qualify as a spiritual leader of the Jewish people? And that's all against the backdrop of this conversation I was having with a group of people about whether or not Mashiach has to be a charismatic individual in order to do his job. Because we do believe that Mashiach is going to be this individual who will arrive in some fashion. I think you will be careful how you say arrive. That makes it sound like swoop down from the heavens. Arrive could simply mean become apparent to society. In other words, the the belief is kind of natural. The progression is kind of natural that Moshiach is an individual who's within the society and then becomes known to the society. And then that individual is so larger than life that everybody conforms and says, we want you to lead us, we want you to teach us. All kinds of people from all walks of life, from all spiritual backgrounds, all religious backgrounds, identify this particular person as the leader, capital L. So in order to do that, does he have to have tremendous charisma? You would assume to be able to have the buy-in of all kinds of people, to be able to have a following that would include people who themselves had been world leaders prior to Mashiach arriving, because he, he kind of just steps above everybody else. So you would assume, I think most people would assume that that goes with a certain degree of charisma. And I want to test that theory and say, well, is that the case? Is that, in fact, how Judaism views our great leaders? Is that, in fact, how Judaism views the qualities that our leaders require in order to be able to rise to the occasion, to be able to do what it is that they have to do? So... 
love to hear your thoughts on that. I'll share with you some of the things that people did say previously. Uh, somebody said, just in the, in the conversation we had previously, so somebody said to me, and I thought this was quite insightful, that at the end of the day, the goal of Moshiach is to bring people together. That means to make us not only stand united as a world, as a human population, but to have shared vision and shared values, which obviously is a really powerful thing to be able to do. So this person made the observation that whatever Mashiach requires in order to be able to do that, those are the characteristics that he'll have. He's, he's not going to have charisma if it's unnecessary to achieve the particular purpose. I think that's quite insightful. Sometimes we project, we think that in order for somebody to be able to achieve something, they're going to require a certain skill set. And then they surprise us. And, and we find that people are able to do things when they did not necessarily have the skill set that we expected. WhatsApp from Cynthia says, empathy, not charisma. Can you understand as best as possible what it is like to walk in another's shoes and have kindness and compassion for that? So I assume Cynthia is talking in a more general sense about being a spiritual leader. So we can we can do that. We can divide between being a spiritual leader generally within the Jewish world and specifically Mashiach. So Cynthia's point is empathy is far more valuable than charisma in terms of being a meaningful and effective leader. I wonder if anybody would take umbrage with that because it sounds very compelling. I mean, it's, it's a really good argument. If you want a good leader, you want a good leader who cares about the people and, and resonates with the kind of things that the people are going through and can relate to them. You don't want an, a leader who's aloof but charismatic. You don't want a person who previously had their own TV show, so they've got that persona, but realistically, they, they don't really bat an eyelid when somebody loses their home in a natural disaster or when the there's rampant crime or if the whatever, whatever the particular issues are. So Cynthia's point is empathy is much more important as a characteristic in a leader than charisma. And I, I certainly resonate with that. I think that uh, Cynthia is making a very good point, although there might be people out there who might say the, op- the opposite. And in fact, just to play devil's advocate for a moment, empathy could become the ball and chain. The job of a leader at times is to be able to propel people, maybe even compel people, but to propel people, to get people to move to places that they would not naturally move. So sometimes in order to do that, you, you actually have to cast off your empathy because if you're too in touch with the difficulties that the people face, then it's difficult to move them forward because you understand why they can't move forward. So I wonder, it's an interesting question about leaders. Is empathy always healthy in leadership or is it sometimes necessary for the the, the leader to be able to turn around and say, I can afford to see bigger picture and so I'm not going to get caught up in your particular issues that you have currently. Interesting, interesting part of the conversation. And I'd love to hear other people weigh in on that. Uh, here's another WhatsApp. This one is unsigned. It says, don't Jewish leaders also have to be wealthy? Now, before everybody jumps down the throat of whoever it is that sent that WhatsApp and says, wow, that sounds like a real prejudiced statement. And how can you stereotype Jews, etc., etc.? Hold, hold your horses. There is such a concept in Jewish law, not about leaders necessarily, about certain leaders. So two that, that spring to mind. 
Number one, in order for a person to sit as a judge on the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin was the supreme Jewish court back in the temple times and the post, the, 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 well, sorry, not the, the, the temple times basically. So the members of the Sanhedrin had to be independently wealthy. But there was good reason for that because these are people who are going to be sitting in judgment. And any time that there is a court case and there's a person who has to make a judgment, there is the threat of bribery. So if you've got somebody who is independently wealthy, then they can afford to remain objective in the courtroom so that would be the lead, the, the the necessity of wealth there is another example, and that, that is what's called the Kohen Gadol, the high priest. And the Kohen Gadol also was supposed to be a wealthy person so that he would be held in high esteem by his colleagues. And in fact, so much so that the tradition is that the, those same colleagues, those fellow Kohanim, the fellow priests, had to contribute to his wealth if he didn't have his own wealth so that they would always see him as a person of greatness. I don't know necessarily that there's any requirement for a spiritual leader uh, meaning a prophet or a, if you want to call it a chief rabbi, though that's not a great word because that's a more modern term. But like the Nasi, the prince of the Jewish people in previous times in history, did not necessarily need to be wealthy at all times. But uh, this is a very, very good point. I don't think wealth, though, is a characteristic. It's possibly something that just helps to raise your profile. So the question being charisma, how important is that to spiritual leadership, specifically to Mashiach? I'd love to hear your thoughts on 34519. Twitter at Chai FM or directly at Rabbi Shish. Otherwise, WhatsApp 0618951019. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So, uh, it's interesting. Some, some interesting comments coming through. I'll share them with you shortly. We're talking today about charisma. We're talking about whether or not it is required for a spiritual leader. Specifically, uh, like I say, the, the conversation I had originated about Mashiach and whether Mashiach has to be charismatic in order to rise to his position and his particular um, role in society. Does he have to be charismatic? And I'll tell you shortly what I think about it. But in the meantime, let's hear what you think about it here on Twitter, Abe K says, it seems to me that Mashiach would be the most charismatic human being on the planet and at the same time the most awesome. I'm not quite sure what that last part means because uh, is there a major distinction between awesome and charismatic? Unless what he's trying to say is awe-inspiring. So in his presence, you'll feel overwhelmed and overawed. Maybe that's what he means. Maybe he'll clarify for us exactly. But there's there's a suggestion that Mashiach will be the most charismatic person on the planet. Do you think that Moshe, Moses, at his time, when he took the Jews out of Egypt, do you think he was the most charismatic man on the planet? Let's start there, because that could be a good place for us to explore. Perhaps, uh, you know, <laughs> perhaps that will give us an insight, because in a certain regard, Moses and Mashiach are extremely intertwined. We're told that... In a sense, Moshiach is an incarnation of Moses. I say in a sense because not as simple as that. And particularly when you get into the Kabbalistic understanding of, of reincarnation, you'll know that it's certainly not as simple as that. But there, there definitely would be insight. So if we take a look at how, Mo, how Moses was in his particular uh, role and what kind of persona he had, that could certainly give us some insight into what it is that Moshiach will have to do. So we're talking generically. We're talking about spiritual leaders generally. Do they require charisma? And we're talking specifically about Moshiach and whether or not Moshiach has to be a charismatic personality. Abe K. on Twitter saying, 
the most charismatic person on earth. I'm not sure that everybody will agree with that. Tony says, no, he will definitely be Jewish. Not quite sure if that implies that Jewish people are not charismatic. And if it does imply that it's not, they're not charismatic, why? Why? What's wrong with that? Is there something fundamentally wrong with charisma? Is it something which we should be shemzich of? We should be a little bit embarrassed of the fact that we're, that we're charismatic? I don't know. It's an interesting kind of an implication. Um, a couple other ideas coming through. We'll, I'll, I'll bring them to your attention shortly because uh, not all of them are relevant just yet. Let's put it that way. So if you had to think, uh, so far what we've got is empathy from Cynthia. We've got wealthy from an unsigned uh, um, WhatsApp. What other character traits would you assume that a leader has to have in order to be a an effective leader, a meaningful spiritual leader in line with what Judaism is all about? Because I think… When you start to explore this, you will recognize that Judaism does have a somewhat different approach to what's conventional thinking. I definitely imagine that most people tell you in conventional thinking, in order for a person to rise to become a leader, they do have to have some kind of strong charisma. Otherwise, why on earth would people follow them? Why on earth would people align themselves with them? I just wonder, though, does charisma necessarily translate into having a set of values, into having good reason to lead? Sometimes you find that people are highly charismatic and what they bring to the party is not necessarily positive. So you can't imagine that charisma on its own is a symbol or a, a sign that a person is a meaningful leader, an appropriate leader. Don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think some really horrible people in history were quite charismatic and were able to win over followers who did all kinds of things that were malevolent. But they were led by a charismatic leader. I'm sure you'll agree with that. I'm sure certain examples spring to mind as soon as you say that. Here's a WhatsApp that says that it's not on the Rambam's list. I assume that that means not on the Rambam's list, Maimonides, of what it is that a leader is required to have. It talks about things. There's something called koima, stature. A leader has to have some kind of a presence. Yes, but not necessarily a charismatic nature. Interesting. I suppose part of this conversation centers around how do you understand charisma? Is charisma necessarily um, what everybody thinks it to be? A lot of people associate charisma maybe with a strong politician or with a larger-than-life celebrity. That person walks into the room and people are sort of magnetized towards them because of their persona, because of the way they are. Is that necessarily what charisma means in all circumstances? I wonder. So, Moses, would you say he was charismatic? King Saul, would you say he was good? How's about Joseph? Joseph in the biblical story, would you say Joseph was a charismatic person? Uh, King David, would you say King David? Let's keep it biblical. It might be a little bit easier for us than to look at other periods in history. I think people are generally more familiar with biblical characters than they are with Talmudic characters. So throw out a few biblical characters and see if you would associate them necessarily with charisma or perhaps with something else. I think of Moses. We just read about it in the Torah portion this past. Shabbos, that he is identified as being the most humble person to have ever walked the earth. Now, the first thought that crosses your mind when you hear humble, does it resonate with or does it clash with the idea of charisma? And I think people may have very different views on this. That's why I'm curious to hear what it is that you think. But the first thought, not when you sit and analyze it, just the first thought, as soon as you hear the word humble, to you, to your mind, is that something that fits in the same set of characteristics as charismatic? Or would you say it's possibly in conflict to charisma? Because there we, there we have an example. He has Moses. He was a great spiritual leader, the greatest of our spiritual leaders. 
And if we have an insight into what kind of personality he had and how much of a role charisma played in his life, that might very well help us to understand uh, some insight in terms of what Judaism thinks about charisma and about its importance to a spiritual leader. A couple of other messages coming through over here. Some of them are a little bit off topic, so we'll leave those. We're going to stick just with people who are making comments specifically about the um, about the concept of charisma. Here's Sean. Sean on Twitter says, Charisma is a gimmick for elected officials. True leadership is not a popularity contest. It's about leading by example, guiding, and most importantly, taking responsibility for failures. To me, that's quite a mature comment. It's quite an insightful comment. So his point really is, is that charisma could very much be gimmick. A lot of what goes on in this world, especially today, where we have access to tools that allow us to self-promote. So a lot of what falls under the category of charisma is really just clever self-promotion. People putting themselves out in a particular way that attracts attention, gets the, gets them voters or followers or students or adherents or whatever the case is. I don't imagine you could see Moses doing something like that, you know, going around and r- revving the people up and telling them what an amazing man he is and what he's going to do for them. And when I take you out of Egypt, we will X and Y. <laughs> it doesn't come across necessarily as that kind of a personality. So Sean's saying charisma is a gimmick, could be used. I suppose that implies it could also be abused. And he says true leadership is leading by example and then various other things. But I think leading by example is really important. Does charisma align with or clash with the idea of leading by example. That's a very interesting part of our conversation. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so let's keep those messages coming. In the meantime, wouldn't a hot waffle and cream with maple syrup be perfect right now? How about authentic Italian soft serve ice cream dipped in hot caramel or chocolate crunch? Or for a more savory hunger buster, how about some sushi, toasted sandwich, or even a late brunch? For delicious breakfasts, lunches, and milkic treats, Check out the Moose Milk Bar in Genesis Center in Fairmount. You can call them. The Moose Milk Bar is 011-485-0354. And remember to ask about their affordable kids' parties too. It's actually quite a nice thing. Sounds very attractive, I must say. Waffles and ice cream and all that kind of thing. And the Bidvest Maccabi Fun Run is coming to Joburg on the 17th of June 2018 at Huddle Park. Come out and enjoy a fun day out with the family and friends. Distances include the one kilometer kiddies dash or the five kilometer run slash walk. You'll earn 300 vitality points and they have limited goodie bags for the first 600 sign ups. Plus, there's music, kids' entertainment, food, and drink will all be available. Entry is 180. 80 rand or 90 rand for children under the age of 12. All proceeds go to the participating Jewish charity or an organization of your choice. See you there. Visit maccabi.co.za and sign up now. Just halfway to the 3 o'clock symbol, and we're talking today about charisma, talking about how important is it for a spiritual leader as far as Judaism is concerned, how important it is for a spiritual leader to be charismatic. And specifically, we're talking about Mashiach because uh, there's a lot of intrigue about who is Mashiach, what kind of a personality. So my question also is, 
do you think that Moshiach would have to be a charismatic personality? So nobody's really taken the bait on my question about Moses. Would you consider Moses charismatic or, for that matter, any other great biblical hero? So if you've got a thought on that, now would be the time. There's a little Twitter debate developing. I just had Sean's comment that uh, charisma is a gimmick. And here Mendel on Twitter says, I don't think charisma is a gimmick, though it is often shallow and used that way. It probably defends on, it depends on how you define it. Well, I suppose that's what we expected, that it would have a lot to do with definition. So there you go, two sides of the argument. One saying that charisma is quite gimmicky, the other one saying not necessarily. What are your thoughts on 34519 if you're going to SMS us or WhatsApps on 0618951019 or get involved in the Twitter storm, the debate that is brewing now at Chai FM or directly at Rabbi Shish. I'll tell you, we could talk about various characters in the, in biblical terms and they, they'd be quite fascinating. Let's, let's just use two. And, and there's a reason I want to use these two. It, it relates to the concept of Mashiach. I'm not going to get too technical about it, but let's just use two personalities that did not live at the same time. And they are in a certain sense quite similar and in a, another sense quite different. So let's talk about the biblical Joseph. Let's start with that. If you had to think about the biblical Joseph, would just the first thought that comes to your mind, I'll give you choices. Would you say that the first thought that comes to your mind when you think of Joseph is charismatic? Would you think that the first thought that comes to your mind when you think Joseph would be understated or humble? Would you think courageous? Would you think colorful? Would you think scholarly? Would you think worldly? We can keep doing this. So what are the adjectives that come to your mind when you think of the character, the biblical character, Joseph? So that's the one person who will explore to try and get some kind of a sense about the value of charisma and spiritual leadership. The other is King David. Now, we probably have strong associations with King David in terms of the adjectives, the personality that we ascribe to him. So let's ask the same question. Would you associate King David with charisma? Would you associate King David with humility? Would you associate him with courage? Would you associate him with scholarliness? Would you associate him with poetry? With music? Would you associate him with military strength? Interesting because King David has quite a mix. So we'll use them as our two personalities, and the reason being because the Mashiach personality is very strongly linked and associated with the King David personality. So that's a lot of what this conversation, I think, should center on. So let's use them as two archetypes. And that already gives you an an insight that they're, they're not the same. While there are certain things about them that are quite similar, they had, in a sense, certain similarities in terms of their family dynamics, Certain similarities in rising from difficult circumstances into places of prominence. Similarity in the sense of both becoming very powerful leaders with incredibly great sphere of influence. So there's a lot that we can see as similar between Joseph and King David. But that's very much in terms of their life story. In terms of their character, it'd be interesting to to pick that apart and say, well, of the two of them, of Joseph and King David, who would you associate more strongly with Charisma. Who would you imagine required charisma in order to be the person that they were? And maybe you'll say both, and that's fine. Uh, you may 
have to then justify, of course, why you think it is that way. And based on that, we can have a conversation around charisma in spiritual leadership. So if you've got a particular thought about King David, about Joseph in this role of of charisma, or I suppose what role charisma played in their leadership, that could be quite helpful. So, so you know, that could be part of the uh, of the conversation. Like I say, it's a conversation that I've been having over the last few days, so I've got quite a lot of opinion on this, but it's uh, definitely, definitely an, an interesting one. So Joseph, let's start with him. Joseph is a colorful personality, because I do think he's a colorful personality. The first thing that probably comes to most people's minds is Joseph wearing that multicolored cloak of his. So would would you associate Joseph with charisma? Now, let's just briefly look at some of the stories that happened in his life. So some of the stories that happened in, in Joseph's life center on the fact that he's put into really difficult circumstances. And in each case, he very quickly rises into a place of leadership in the most difficult circumstances. So he has these issues with his brothers. The reason for that is because he's what appears to be a more flamboyant character. I mean, that's a really superficial reading of the story, but he appears to be, you know, more in your face and, and living differently to the rest of his brothers. So they have conflict with him as a result of that, doing the story very much in brief. As a result of that, he gets sold by his brothers into slavery and is bought by an Egyptian wealthy government official. And, and there he starts off, Literally at the bottom of the pack. I mean, he's, it's, it's evident from the Torah that there's a large staff on this particular property of Potiphar. And you can assume that Joseph's the new guy and he's young. He's only 17 years old. You can assume that he must have started with some really menial tasks, but the Torah rapidly moves that story to he's in charge of the whole household. This is the guy. He's making decisions. He is absolutely trusted by his boss and he has this, this boss's wife who's actually got designs on him she finds him to be really attractive so sounds quite a lot like there's a lot of charisma about joseph and then things go a bit sour in that situation so he lands up in prison he's in prison not very long after being in prison the Torah reports once again he's the darling of the prison everybody loves him they give him rights and advantages nobody else has and he's calling the shots on what happens in the prison and when people have Taurus. That's who they come to, and they pour their hearts out and say, well, you know, we don't know what's going on in our lives, the, the dreams of the baker, the royal baker, the royal butler. And the result of that is that Joseph once again rises to prominence, and as a direct result of that, is brought in front of Pharaoh at a time of crisis in the land, and before you know it, he's running the country. So here's a person who had all the odds stacked against him, but wherever he goes, he just seems to hit it off with people. They love him. They respect him. They put him into positions of power. And sure enough, he becomes the man running the show for, of the single most powerful country in the developed world at that time. Sounds very much, sounds like uh, Joseph has this very charismatic personality. Now, if you had a look at King David, on the other hand, I'm not saying King David was not a charismatic personality, but he's not painted that way in the scriptures. He's not painted as this larger-than-life personality. Wherever he goes, people recognize him, and straight away they love him and give him positions of prominence. Not at all. So 
in a similar vein to the Joseph story, he has a family who don't quite accept him, and so he's a little bit of an outcast. And then when the opportunity comes for Samuel to appoint a new king of Israel, and he's directed to the family of David, which uh, to, to David's father, Jesse, Yishai, he arrives over there, and, and, and David's not even on the candidate list to potentially be the person who could be the next king. It's only after Samuel has to go digging around to even find out that David exists because he's so much of an outcast. And then later he becomes a musician in King Saul's palace because King Saul has issues of his own and he finds the the music is quite therapeutic for him. But that's it. You don't find that the next thing King David is the chief of staff and he's running the kingdom. None of that. Even after he kills Goliath, which is this incredible moment and he's promised the princess's hand in marriage as a reward for what he's done and his bravery, he still doesn't then catapult into this major prominence within the society. It's only after King Saul that he becomes a great person recognized by the community. And and even that requires a certain amount of campaigning, in fact, as it happens. So if we have to look at these two personalities, we're going to find that they're, they're actually quite different to each other. And they'll give us a tremendous amount of insight into this notion of charisma. But you may have thoughts on that too, in which case you're welcome to share them. 34519 if you would like to SMS. You can WhatsApp 061-895-1019. And Twitter comments are coming in on at FM and at Rabashish. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So we're talking about charisma today. We're talking about the requirement. Is it a requirement for spiritual leadership to have charisma? And specifically, will Mashiach necessarily be a charismatic person? Mendel on Twitter, I suppose, replying again to Sean says... I guess many politicians and celebrities have given charisma a bad rap. I actually see its deeper aspects in the Lubavitcher Rebbe very much. And I'd love to understand exactly what you mean by that. It's deeper aspects. Because I do think that it's been given a little bit of a bad rap. People associate charisma with some kind of manipulation. It's almost as if the person with charisma is able to get people to do things, go places, um, associate with things that they don't necessarily always believe in. Um, Ariella says, no, not charisma, but to be humble and powerful. And I, I think that's really interesting because people often think that humility and power are antithetical, but in Judaism, very often power comes from humility, Moses being a great example of that. We're currently exploring the distinction or the difference between the personalities of Joseph, a great leader, uh, at the time world leader, And King David, a great leader and at the time a world leader. And yet there's a huge difference between the two of them. In fact, it's actually alluded to, believe it or not, it's alluded to in Joseph's name. When Joseph was born, you may remember the story that uh, there were four wives. Jacob had four wives. And the only one who was infertile was Rachel. Everybody else is having babies one after the next. And she's battling and praying and crying that she wants to have a baby. Eventually she has her child and she names him Joseph, which comes from the Hebrew word to add, Yosef. May Hashem add another child. And the mystics tell us that what that implies is that Joseph, his very name, which is that represents his character. You know, that's how it is. Your name does associate with your character, especially when you're talking about somebody of that caliber. So his name is about somebody who who adds a lot. You know, when you when you meet him, he adds a lot of value to you. He makes you feel enriched. He makes you feel empowered. That's the nature of charismatic people. When you're around them, you feel like, wow, my life is better because of it. I feel that I'm uplifted because of it. I feel that I'm energized being around this particular person. 
What's interesting about King David is that the reference that's used in the scriptures about King David is that he's a small person, the smallest actually of his brothers, but not only because he was the last born, it's also because that's the kind of person he was. King David, we're told, is comparable to the moon. It's a reflecting light rather than a generating light. A charismatic person you would expect to be like the sun, somebody who generates a lot of energy and enthusiasm and power, whereas a person who is more humble, you'd expect them to be quieter. Not that they don't shine a light, not that they don't bring value, they do. They just do it in a quieter, understated kind of way. And it would appear that King David is more that way. So there really are apparently two models of leadership within Judaism. There's a Joseph model and there's a King David model of Judaism. And both of them are authentic, both of them have a place. The only thing is, what's interesting is that King David becomes the icon of ultimate leadership. In other words, when we look forward to the future and we want to have somebody who's going to be that great leader, that messianic personality, we always associate him back to King David. So that tells a story. That tells us that the ultimate version of leadership is about an understated personality, about somebody who is quieter, who is humble. That does not mean that they lack confidence. King David did not lack confidence. He was the only person in the community who stood up to Goliath. He was the person who went out and vanquished the Philistines. He was the person who established a Jewish commonwealth. He was the person who laid the groundwork for there being a Jewish temple. I mean, he did incredible things besides the obvious of composing the Psalms, which is our most powerful form of prayer. So to be humble does not mean there's a lack of power. I think it's really important for people to understand that. Charisma is one expression of power, but sometimes humility, or as we call it in the language of Hasidic teachings, bitl, the the capacity to submit yourself to what's greater than yourself, is even more powerful than individual or personal charisma. So if you look at Joseph, Joseph is a great and powerful leader, but there's no leadership lineage that develops from Joseph. That means to say charismatic leadership has a place at a particular time or particular times in history, but it's not the long-term sustainable version of how leadership should be or how Judaism recognizes leadership. King David becomes the father of a dynasty, a dynasty that will last literally until the end of time when we will have what we call Mashiach ben David, Mashiach, the son of David. And I think if we explore some of that and understand what was his strength, because his strength, believe it or not, is in his absence. There's a curious story that happens when things start to heat up. The relationship starts to get strained between King Saul and David. So the man who's in the middle is King Saul's son, Jonathan, David's closest and most trusted friend. And in in the course of their interactions, so... David doesn't really know where he stands. He doesn't know, does does King Saul really hate him that much? Is King Saul just annoyed at him, but he'll kind of tolerate him? So they devise, the two of them, Jonathan and David, they devise a test. Because King David, or at that stage he wasn't king yet, David was on the staff of King Saul's kingdom. So he was invited to the big monthly Rosh Chodesh meal. Beginning of every month, there was a big meal, and he was invited to attend. And so the test that he was going to use is, I'm not going to come to the meal. Let's see how King Saul reacts. And the Torah tells us that the, the wording he uses is, Which is a play on words. Basically means, you will be noticed by your absence. 
Now, it, of course, is contextual. And in the particular story, that's what he wanted. He wanted King Saul to notice the empty chair. And then he wanted to see if that's something that would be accepted or if that's something that would set him off into a rage, which is actually what happened. But in in mysticism, we see this as a far greater story than just his seat being empty. It becomes the definition of who King David is. King David is the individual who is most noticed when he is absent. It's, a, it's an incredibly unique style of leadership. But to us, it's the ultimate style of spiritual leadership. Because a spiritual leader is there for one purpose only. Only one purpose. And that is to deliver whatever it is that God wants delivered to us at a particular time. The moment a leader starts to stand out as themselves, as a personality, as an individual has certain traits, values, strengths, abilities, that starts to blur or conceal the message that they're supposed to convey. So the ultimate leader is completely transparent. You look at that leader and you notice the fact that you don't notice them. You notice the fact that there's a message speaking through them. As the classic line, the Talmudic line about Moses goes, the divine presence spoke through his mouth. Such a person doesn't need charisma. Charisma is about me. I want you to notice me. Here we're dealing with the ultimate form of Jewish leadership, which is, I want you to notice God who sent me. Thoughts on that? Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Interesting question that somebody's posted over here on Twitter, and that is that Moses was such a great influencer, yet Joshua is the one who took us into the Holy Land. What is greater, taking us out of Egypt or taking us into Israel? It's an interesting conversation. I think it's beyond the scope of what we can talk about today. But what you will see in both Moses and in Joshua is that their personality is not really what stands out in the story. In each case, it's their mission. And that's exactly the point. The point is that a spiritual leader is supposed to be somebody who is there purely as a medium to transmit godliness and God's message to us. If they become a big character, larger than life, then they can't convey that message. Then you see the person. You're so busy looking at the person, you can't see what it is that they're trying to convey. You're so busy caught up in that hero worship that you could lose sight of what that personality is there for. So King David is supposed to be for us the icon of of how a, a leader is supposed to operate. You look at the leader and you don't see the leader. That's why he's compared to the moon. When you look at the moon at night, you're not actually seeing the moon. You're you're not. You, you, you're not. I mean, you obviously you're seeing the surface of the moon, but the only way that you're seeing it is because it's illuminated by the light of the sun. In fact, they say that we all know right now, if you had to step outside and look directly at the sun, you would damage your eyes. But this evening, if you would step outside and you'd look at the moon, even though there's not a whole lot of uh, moon at this time of the month, but if you had to look at it, let's say a full moon in the middle of the month, you would quite happily be able to look at it straight on. It's not going to blind you, even though what you're seeing then is sunlight. just happens to be reflected off the face of the moon. So to us, a an ultimate spiritual leader is like the moon. An ultimate spiritual leader is not somebody who is sharing their charisma. We don't love them because of their personality. 
we are not attracted to them because of their greatness. What we see when we look at them is we see here is someone who's giving me an opportunity to understand what God wants from me. Here is somebody who's giving me an opportunity to follow their lead, to find out how to be connected to God. What I see as the greatness in them is, in fact, the fact that they don't stand out. You know, there's a, a very interesting thought about a um, 1977, the Lubavitcher suffered a heart attack. And he had various interesting conversations with the medical teams who were dealing with him. And one of the conversations was about an injection. In, you know, in order to, to administer an injection, you've got to obviously get the particular medicine into the, um, into the syringe. And the way that you do that is you rely on creating a vacuum. When you create a vacuum, that's actually what pulls. That's what magnetizes. I guess in the same way as a black hole is the most powerful force that we know of in nature. It has this ability to magnetize and pull everything into its space. And that's the ultimate spiritual leader is somebody who is themselves such a vacuum that we can't help but be drawn into their space because that vacuum represents what's behind them. That is so powerful, in fact, even infinitely so. And that is what Mashiach is going to be. Mashiach is not going to arrive over here and start parading around on CNN and Sky News and saying, look at me, I'm so amazing, I'm going to change the world, this is my 10-point plan, and we're all going to be in a better place. Mashiach is going to be somebody, you just, you just look at that person, and you naturally feel compelled to follow them because you can see that what's behind them is infinite, what's behind them is divine, what's behind them is ultimate goodness. And therefore, it's worth sticking with them because they'll take you to those places. So let's hope that we get to experience that much sooner than any of us anticipates. And we can do our next Fresh Thinking show together with Moshiach in the Messianic Age. Quite possible. Could happen. Please, God, will happen. Let's hope for it to happen. Have a wonderful week and a wonderful Shabbos.